Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a special lottery edition of the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, and we're here to recap the NBA lottery. It went down Tuesday night, and Barry, I think you put it really well in, in the column that you wrote afterward. The Thunder won the lottery by getting the number two pick in a draft where you've got Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bencaro, um, three really promising big men at the top. Any of the three, I think, for different reasons, would fit very well on the Thunder roster. And now the Thunder is going to be able to pick between two of the three at that number two pick. Um, Orlando wins the lottery. The Thunder finishes in second. Houston will pick third. Sacramento fourth. And Detroit drops to fifth. Um, Barry, we recapped a lot of games this season. The end of the season was really rough. Um, but when when it ends in the number two pick, it makes it makes tanking feel uh, a little sweet and a little more bearable. You know, I was thinking of the w- right word, and I didn't get into this, uh, which is good. Gives us something else to write about. It's exciting. I mean, think about you mentioned the last month or two of the season. I mean, we we celebrated a Lindy Waters three pointer, and I mean, that was, I mean, literally. I, so I got all fired up every time Lindy made a three. I thought yeah. this gets him one more step into a job. Yeah, Vite Crunchy and, being back on the court. Um. Yeah, and, but tonight it it's almost like you know the the clouds opened up, and you think, hey, this this has an ending to it. This yeah, there's going to be there's going to be something on the other side of this. And whether that's Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Bacher, I don't, I don't know who it might be, but you got the, you sort of get the idea that hey, this is this is going to turn out okay. And you know, last year the Thunder goes from four to six. This year from four to two, it all evens out. Got Josh Giddy uh, a year ago, really good player. This was this was a very good night for the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what you know, Sam Presti and the Thunder envisioned is getting a high pick like this like if if you listen to everything Sam says in the spiel that they give the whole you know the NBA is driven by star power and elite talent and the whole point of a rebuild is to not wind up at number six every year the Thunder did well it seems by drafting Josh Giddy, but the whole point is to get the the top of the top and while they didn't get number one in this draft it might not be that huge of a deal but but getting number two I mean obviously it's the next best thing and, and that's the point of this rebuild um it it I, I don't want to say jump starts the rebuild because it already had a good base with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. but now the end of the rebuild is a lot closer than it would be had the Thunder landed at seven and twelve or, or six and twelve now we don't know who knows? Maybe whoever gets picked sixth or seventh will be better than whoever the Thunder selects at number two. But given the opportunity, you'd much rather pick at number two uh, than follow the number six again. And some really intriguing guys um, over the next few weeks, about a month until the draft, we'll, we'll do deeper dives into Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, um, Jabari Smith. It sure seems 
you know, an almost certainty that one of those three uh, will will be with the Thunder. But uh, Barry, just like projecting forward, what do you think this does um, for next season potentially? Or or I, I mean, I, I don't expect them to to sort of go all in and make other moves externally now, but. Um, I, I guess you said excitement. I, I think that's the that's the theme going into next season. Maybe they don't make those other roster moves to try to get more competitive, but just see what this group looks like now with with you know what what could be their new big three. Yeah, because here's the deal: they don't know who they're going to get. But even if they get whoever they're going to get, they're not going to know. Yeah, what kind of player they are now. If you're lucky, you'll know within two or three months, hey, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or whoever is a really good ball player with star potential. But there's no reason to go all in no, no. When, when you don't know. And I will um, say we knew pretty quick. I don't know about like star potential, but we knew pretty quickly that um, Josh Giddy definitely wasn't a bust. I mean, we knew that after a couple weeks into the season, I think. Exactly. But now if, if one of these guys is a bust, then – we're back to square zero, and you know we got we got we, we, we got somebody's going to have to get me some mental therapy if one of these guys is a bust. But here's what I will say about here's what I, when you talk about you know the luck of the night and the fortune of the night. I was thinking about this. If you're going to drop to six in one of these two years and rise to two in one of these two years, I think the Thunder got the right order. Because my impression is, you know, you go back to last season, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, and then Scotty Barnes comes on late. Um, Jalen Suggs and Kaminga were prominently mentioned. But the star power of this group seems to be high. The, the potential is higher this year mm-hmm. than I think last year. Um so, I th- I think the the potential worked out well for the Thunder, and um, you know Sam Presti seems in no hurry to speed this thing up. You know, it, it's like you said, he's not going to go trade four draft picks for you know DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, uh, anytime yeah, in the next two months. What, whether that's they landed at, at number two or number six, that that's not going to happen either way. Right, right. So. Now's the time for Thunder fans to sort of stay patient, only instead of wondering wondering who, it's time to wonder what. And enjoy watching, let's keep positive thoughts and say Jabari Smith. Watch Jamar, Jabari <laughs> Smith. Watch Jabari Smith develop. And, you know, next three, four months, uh, or the first three or four months of the season, See what kind of player he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Earth to Earth to Thunder fans, Earth to Thunder fans. We didn't see it, but the good people of Seattle, Washington, got to see it. Kevin Durant was not an All Star as a rookie. He was not. A, he was a uh, not even a great player as a rookie. He was an intriguing player as a rookie. He was a good player as a rookie. He had everybody fired up as a rookie. But he didn't come in and just start cleaning up every arena in in the NBA, and Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or, or uh, you know Paolo Bucare uh, is not going to do it either. So yeah. that's not going to happen. But hopefully, they're going to be like SGA, 
and lots of other guys. And you're going to be able to see all kinds of elements of future stardom. Yeah, I mean, just look at that that series you had between Memphis and Minnesota. You know, Anthony Edwards had a terrible start to his rookie season. Now he's emerged as, as a star. John Morant was named most improved player. He takes a huge step in his third season. So, yeah, it's not going to be instant. Um, but I think you will see that potential um, depending on who it's going to be. You mentioned Jabari Smith. Barry, we, we are in agreement, and I know neither of us are draft experts, Um but we both have Jabari Smith number one on our boards. And I just put a poll out there for fun on Twitter. Um, got 750 votes. Jabari, I, I just asked, who would you want at number two? Jabari Smith got 46.7%. Chet Holmgren, 33.8%. And Paolo Bancaro, 19.6%. So pretty close between Smith and Holmgren with Bancaro, a distant third. I actually thought Chet was going to be number one. Um he seems to be the most popular just because he's intriguing. Um, but it looks like on a very tiny and um, unscientific sample from Thunder fans that they like Jabari Smith the best. And and as do you. And I, I guess, Barry, tell us why. Well, he he's not seven foot one and 194 pounds. That's my main problem with Chet Holmgren. I don't know. That'd be if me Ch- if I was like a foot and a half taller, basically. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, Holmgren is a wonderful prospect, fabulous, intriguing prospect. All those things, everybody knows it. But I worry about his lack of density. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's thin, and we've seen. You know, Kevin Durant was thin too. Durant was listed at, I think I saw, where he's 15 pounds bigger coming into the draft. He's 15 pounds heavier than, than Holmgren is. If, if somebody can tell me that Holmgren's going to beef up over the years, then, you know, in his fifth year in the NBA, going to weigh 240, I'll be a lot more excited about him. But right yeah. now... You know, and then maybe this is Poku bias here. We've watched we've watched Poku struggle with that for a couple of years. Poku is way thicker than Chet Holmgren, I think. Yeah, um, especially his I mean, lower I, half. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I look at the legs and even the arms. Um, so that that's that's my only worry about Holmgren. That's my only worry. Uh, but Jabari Smith. I've only watched him a couple of times. The last thing I need to do is be passing myself off as a draft expert. But he looks like the total package to me. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks like a guy that can score in a variety of ways. He looks like a guy that can defend uh, both with rim protection and with switching out on the court, which is you know paramount to the modern NBA. I just uh, I'm, I'm praying that the Magic take Chet Holmgren. Yeah, that that's in. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Um, you know, when you when we think of okay, who are the Thunder going to select? Well, who are the Magic going to select? Maybe we'll get a maybe that'll leak, or they're going to make it very clear who they're going to to select. Um, here coming up soon, I don't know. I mean, Troy Weaver last year when the Pistons had the number one pick. They kind of laid low for a while and, and even kept it open-ended that maybe Cade Cunningham wasn't going to be the guy, even though Cade last year was seen as a consensus number one and that none of these guys are. I don't think it would be 
uh, surprised to see Ben Caro go number one to the Magic, and the, the Thunder gets to, to decide between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, which to me would be a fascinating debate. If I had to guess, I would say, total guess, I would say Chet's number one on the Thunder's board, Jabari Smith would be two, and Ben Caro would be three. But what I like about them and what I like about them being available to the Thunder the biggest knock against Jabari Smith, from what I've read from draft experts who know what they're talking about, is they're worried about him creating his own shot or or handling the ball. But playing alongside Josh Giddey and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you don't have to worry about that as much. He's 6'10 and a knockdown, 6'8, a knockdown shooter. Um, 6'10, actually. Yeah, I got it right. So knockdown shooter, can defend multiple positions, um, can maybe play power forward, can play small ball center. And next to, can you imagine with as much as Shea and, and Giddy are driving it, and then you've got a big man like Jabari Smith who's spacing the floor and, and giving those guys some room. Um, that makes a ton of sense. I, I think with Chet, the allure with him is obviously on the defensive end. And sure, he might get pushed around a little bit, but if he can put on weight, he's an elite rim protector. He's very skilled with the ball um, on, on the offensive end. And then Ben Carroll, he's just he's just a really really good scorer and is a better passer than than I realized after um, reading reading more about him and um, really really knows how to play within a system and I think that would be intriguing for the Thunder. So three very different prospects, but both fill a position of need. The Thunder has Giddy, they have SGA, but they don't have. Um, you know, a, a big man that they feel good about moving forward. And I don't think the Thunder is at the point in their rebuild where they need to be drafting by position. If they really think Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp's the best player in the draft, sure, go ahead and take them. But when the top three guys are those big men, I think it just seems like a, a perfect fit for any of the three, really. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I've, I've read mostly ESPN people. They have... They seem to have uh, Holmgren, uh, the best number one, the likely number one pick, the best fit for, say, Houston, Detroit, Orlando. That's, I think that's the story I saw uh, a few weeks ago. They, they took those three teams and what was their biggest need. And most of them settled on Holmgren going number one to one of those teams. Um, but to me, in some way, now this is not, this is not Sam Presti, a Sam Presti deal, but in some ways it's a little bit of a pressure off if you're the Thunder because, you know, you don't know which of the three to pick. Well, you're only going to have to decide between two of them because one yeah. of them's going to be gone. So, um, you know, if you, if you ask, to me, the Thunder is looking for star potential. That's what the whole tank is on is about, is getting, you know, Sam Presti will tell you all about it, the, the elite talent, the, you know, the, the cut above type player. And to me, Banchero and Jabari Smith have more of that than Holmgren. Uh, maybe I'm biased against Holmgren because there's so few guys like him. Yeah. Maybe never there's been a guy like him. I don't know. But. I can see Jabari Smith as an NBA superstar. I can see Benchero as a NBA superstar. I don't it's hard for me to picture Chet Holmgren. I mean I go back to he's not the same kind of player, but 
People who are excessively tall, I worry about their health. Um, Yao Ming was a wonderful player, dominant player, but he couldn't stay healthy. Sean Bradley was the number two pick. I think he was number two, you know, 100 years ago, in the, sometime in the 90s. Couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, he was that number wor- two. That worries me um, more so than the other two. I don't, I don't sit around and worry about Banchero's health. I don't worry about Jabari Smith's health. I think they're going to be top-shelf NBA players. Yeah. I would kind of push back on that a little bit. And, again, no one knows how any of these three are going to turn out as NBA players. But I actually think, like, Chet, to me, has the highest ceiling of, of any of them. Like, if it does work, if it all comes together and the frame isn't an issue, like, he's – a seven footer who can handle the ball shoot and you know he led the nation in blocks he's he's an elite rim protector and even when he's not blocking shots he bothers things around the rim so i think his ceiling... let me let me ask you have you have you how well does he move or not not move that's the wrong word how well does he run cuz let me this is not right but he's going to invariably get compared to poku yeah Poku surprises me with how well he does in the open court. Yeah, I think Poku's he's pretty, a heck of. I think he's and, pretty and if, fluid. And if Holmgren can move like Poku in the open court, I'm a lot more excited about him. Uh, obviously, Holmgren's a better prospect than Poku. But you know how we talk about Poku is as far as like it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Like it's hard to envision Poku as being like a team's seventh guy or eighth guy because he's just he's just so up and down. It's like either it's all going to come together and he's going to turn into an unstoppable force in the NBA, or he's going to be out of the, out of the league. Like maybe Holmgren's ranges aren't that high and and low, but he's pretty divisive. Like there's been some reports that some teams don't want to touch him. They don't want to take the risk. They're not interested in him. Um, But I don't know. To to me, I don't know. He he seems very thundery to me. And, And maybe that is, them taking Poku, and maybe I'm biased because of that, but but just like taking these plays on, on these intriguing guys, like Giddy was another one, you know, a 6'8 point guard who, you know, has a skill set that really is unique in the NBA, um, and Chet would be kind of a, in, in that similar vein. Well, you know, here's the best thing about tonight. All these talks we've had, What's today? May uh, 7th. It's, it's better than uh, debating Keegan Murray versus, you know, Johnny yeah. Davis or Shin Right, Shai. yeah. <laughs> or, or worrying about who the Thunder's going to get at the 12 pick, you know. And we got five months of this. That's what's fun is we're a little bit back. Well, the NBA draft until last year had become passe in Oklahoma City. Literally without a. Was was Stephen Adams the only lottery pick in the last ten years? I think that might be right. But until until the, last the, year, before Giddy, yeah, I think so. But it, all of a sudden, now it comes at a high cost. You want to be relevant in the draft. That means a lot of a lot of bad winter nights of, yeah. of basketball. But it's it's a lot of uh, you know it's a lot of fun to watch uh, a draft and and. Uh, talk about these things. And I thought of you tonight because I thought, you know, poor St. Joe, he's going to have to deal with, because of the because of the Clipper pick, 
He's got two levels of drafts he's got to follow. You got to follow those top three. And then at 12, the Thunder could go anywhere from, there could be 15 guys in play at that pick. Yeah. So it's, it's that's so going to be a rough draft preview. Well, and then they've got that Suns pick at number 30. So they've got the very top, the, the middle, and then the end. And obviously there's, you know, heck, the, the range can be so wide that whoever you get at 12, like 12 through 30 might not be separating um, by all that much. But, yeah, kind of, you know, bearing one bit of the night is that Clippers pick did convey at 12, which was expected, I think, about um, 86% chance. Um, so that that did happen, but you know that's that's still better than fifteen. You know where where it would have been. So the Thunder get numbers two and twelve. It was actually uh, Tyler Carroll who's been a great follow recently. He he runs all these simulations on Tankathon. He ran fifteen thousand of them. Two and twelve is actually the third most likely scenario coming into the end of the night. Uh, six and twelve and seven and twelve were numbers one and two. So certainly, certainly a better scenario than, than those. But I'm with you. This is it's fun to talk about. It's fun to, um, you know, it's going to be fun to cover this draft. This will be the Thunder's highest draft pick ever. I mean, before now it was James Harden uh, going number three overall in 2009. Giddy was the Thunder's highest pick since James Harden. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant went number two overall, but as a supersonic. So it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, and um, the speculation on trades, you know, the Thunders, if the Thunder had gotten the sixth pick, they weren't going to be able to move up to two or three. We saw that last year. But you got that 12 pick and that 30 pick, maybe you can package them both. Move up to ten. Yeah, twelve, thirty, know. and thirty-four. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe you know, maybe because they really don't, they don't really need three more first-round draft picks, uh, especially one at the back end. They got enough guys that are twenty-one years old or twenty years old or whatever. So it's going to be an it's going to be an intriguing lead up to the draft, and then a great draft night. Um, and you know, if if the Thunder had gotten the sixth pick. That that was going to be a bummer. That was going to be a very tough sell for the fans. Uh, I know other franchises have gone through a lot worse than what the Thunder's gone through these last two years. You know, I think I think nineteen California governors have uh, suffered through the King's <sighs> rebuild. But you know, this is a city that's really not accustomed to bad, boring basketball. So yeah. You know, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy tonight. I'm happy for the fans. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm happy for the fans. I, I am too. And I guess what I would you know remind people is like don't get your hopes up for next season though because say tonight was another dud. They land at six. I don't think you know Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren versus whoever they might take at number six. I don't know if it results in any win difference for next year. But you can be happy knowing, okay, the whole point of thinking is to get a top pick. They got that top pick. So it makes next year more bearable because it's it's still going to be excitement and enthusiasm moving forward. And, you know, they're probably going to have 
I would guess, some sort of top 10 pick um, in 2023, which is a really good draft. We'll see how it goes next year. But um, also, if you're Shay, like for the Thunder, this has to make Shea Gilders Alexander happy. This has to make Josh Giddy happy. Like they know they're going to be playing alongside another elite talent. Um, so, yeah, plenty, plenty of reasons for optimism and just watching the lottery. Like, man, I mean, they didn't announce any of the picks until about 15 minutes in. And um, I mean, this is very inside baseball, but I was like worrying about our print deadline and just like getting very anxious, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to what's going to happen here? Um, and yeah, the suspense was was built up. So uh, Sam Presti said that Nick Collison was going to have a statue if the Thunder won the lottery. Um, Barry, do you, do you build one, you know, even though the Thunder got number two? It, it, it was a big night for Mr. Thunder. It was a solid night for Mr. Thunder. I think he needs to return next year, but I'm generally anti-statue. So this <laughs> we is, have, we this have is enough a, statues around here. We got enough statues. <laughs> um, so I think I'd probably vote no on the statue. Um, now, if he gets number one next year, you know, you got to always leave yourself some wiggle room. Build Nick Collison a statue now, and next year, if he gets the number one pick with the dude from France, Victor Wimbanya, or whatever his name is. Yeah. What do you do? Then what do you do? I don't know where you go yeah, from Yeah, rename the arena or something. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. So, but good job by Nick Collison. Um, he was uh, he was solid, and he was in some good company. I mean, Damian Lillard, David Robinson, uh, so, you know, Domon, Domas uh, yeah. Sabonis. Swin Cash um, was up there. Um, yeah, one of, his form, one of his former teammates. So, wait, wait. Yeah, he was a teammate with Sabonis. That's right. Sabonis and Nick were teammates. And he played so against Anderson Verizhao, who was up there. Anderson Verizhao, <laughs> one of my all-time favorites. You know how I love the South Americans. I, I like so, how his title uh, that the NBA sent out for the lottery representative, Team Ambassador. Team Ambassador, <laughs> which is exactly what he is. Uh, that's exactly what he is. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was cool. What do you think about, like, just how the lottery has become this huge, like production and and everything like that. What do you what do you think of it? Well, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a little cheesy. I thought the whole thing was cheesy. I really did. Um, you know, when you look at uh, I, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Heisman Trophy yeah. show. That's what it, it reminded me of. I was a little embarrassed watching it. It was. It's weird to have like the prospects there because like. What that they, was goofball. What are they that really there City. for? I, d- I don't know what they were there for. <laughs> for my, for Schmitz from ESPN to talk to him for twenty seconds each. I mean, I thought, I thought the whole thing was cheesy. It was very similar to the Heisman Trophy, which is a show I basically can't watch. I can't watch. Yeah, um, and it's, there was it's, kind of it's, an it's awkward... must miss TV. It's must miss TV. Lots of awkward. The whole thing was like, awkward. Like when Damian Lillard was being interviewed, it's like the whole place is quiet, and you've got like one guy on stage talking to the host, uh, Malik Andrews. But anyway, it was uh, it was suspenseful to to say the least. But um, Barry, we talked to Sam Presti before the lottery and not after the lottery. You asked him why before instead of after. He did before last year and people read into his body language or statements and were convinced he knew the results beforehand and was preparing <laughs> preparing Thunder fans for disappointment. And then this year he says, well, the most likely scenario is 6-12. And, and people again were convinced, oh my gosh, he's, he's preparing us 
for the worst. Sam Presti did not know the results. I'm 99.9% .9 sure of that, leaving 0.1% because lottery conspiracies are, are somewhat fun. Um, but any, I mean, it, it's sort of old news because it happened before instead of after, but anything Sam said stuck, stick out to you? No, I mean, he, I did like his chess and poker analogies. That was good. Uh, that, that was pretty good. I mean, that's better than what you, that's, that's about the best you can hope for in a press conference about an event that has yet to take place. Um, so, <laughs> that's all about luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I appreciated Sam talking to us. I wish he'd have waited till 8 o'clock. Don't do it at 8 instead of 4.30. Mm -hmm. But what are you going to do? Um, but, uh, you know, we'll get to talk to him soon enough, and they'll have a couple of ball players in tow, and um, that Thunder roster is going to look a lot better. You know, when I went through that, one thing I mentioned is the need for a big man, and I went through all the guys who had played center since they shut down Al Horford uh, a year ago, March. That's a motley crew. Yeah, and I was happy to read Tony Bradley's name. You almost forget about Tony Bradley. You do forget about Tony Bradley. Um, but uh, and Olivier Saar, um, but I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for a little bit more stability in the Thunder roster. Mm -hmm. I really don't need 27 guys playing or 29, whatever it was, in the course of a year. I really don't need you know a different starting lineup every night. I I I I like the old days of of uh, Perkins and Tabo and and Serge and. Westbrook and Durant every night, night after night. I know that was rare. I know that was special. I know that's not probably going to ever be repeated. But I like stability in my life. I'm a guy that since 1981 has had two jobs, uh, lived in two houses, gone to three churches, driven four trucks, and had one wife. I like stability in my life. And you were this, going in order there. I was hoping for five, but I'm glad you didn't say five yeah. wives because you went yeah, one, yeah. two, three, four. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that, that's actually an old line I drop off at civic clubs, especially when there's a bunch of women in the place. It, they it, they get they they think I'm the greatest thing of all time when I give them it, that it's line. A, it's a good one. It's the first time you've mentioned it on Thunder Buddy, so it's all new to us. Well, good, well, good, well, good. Uh, but um, I like stability, and I don't want to see, you know. A new Olivier Sark. Nothing against Olivier. He seems like a fine French lad. But I want to see some roster stability. And I think this tonight was a step towards that. One big step towards that. Um, Barry, we, we've talked about the Thunder like they won the lottery. The Orlando Magic actually won the lottery. Who knows who they're going to take? Um, we've mentioned the three possibilities. Um, they had... Jalen Suggs uh, was their top pick last year. A lot of people were exciting, excited about him. Of those top guys, he was the most disappointing. Um, they've got a ton of big men. Jonathan Isaac should be coming back. They've still got Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., Chumo Kiki. Um, it's a big night for the, the Magic. I mean, they, they need some sort of jolt because, like, they're just a very forgettable team and organization at this point. Um, first time they've won the lottery since... 2004, I think, when they drafted Dwight Howard. I actually caught up with Pat Williams, their former GM, who was um, on those teams in the 90s when they drafted Shaq and Chris Webber and then traded Webber to, to get Penny Hardaway. So the Magic have had a ton of lottery success. So I guess we'll see where it goes from here. Um, you mentioned all those big guys, Carter and Bamba and Isaac. Isaac. 
Doesn't that mean... I think they still have to go best available. I mean, they're you so do? far away. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not talking about take a wing, but uh, Benchero seems like maybe somebody could use more than another I think Benchero. Type. I think Benchero does, does fit. Um, I mentioned Suggs, by the way. Their best rookie was Franz Wagner, who is really, really good. Um, and, uh, you know, Benchero's kind of got... I feel like they ha- kind of have similar skill sets, like big wings slash forwards who can really pass and, and score. So I don't know if they'll think those two guys are too repetitive. But yeah, I don't know if you're if you're the Magic. I, I don't know what direction um, you go. You're certainly not invested long term in Bamba or or even Carter, who they received in that trade. I think you just got to find whoever you think's best. If they like somebody like Manchero. Could they call the Thunder and say, hey, we'll swap picks with you and just give us, you know, some, give us the Clipper pick from, you know, two years or well, it's one of these first round picks in the future. Is that a possibility? And because most people don't have Banchero as a potential number one by most teams. It's usually Holmgren and Smith. Yeah. He, Is that a potential? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if 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 Benchero is the one they like, yeah. Or what if they what if they call Houston and want to want to swap one to one to three? If they think the Thunder doesn't want Benchero and Benchero is their guy, they could slide to three if they wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Does Houston have enough something to to uh, give them? I don't know. I think Houston's in a Houston's good- got. Houston's got some picks. Coming. Houston's in a good spot too. I mean, Sug or not Suggs, Jalen Green really came on uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, they've got our Shangun, who we talked about at length this t- this time last year. So yeah, it seems like Ben Carroll would be a good fit there as well. But they're gonna uh, they're likely gonna go one of those three big guys as well. So three three teams at the top of the draft who, who could use any of the three, and then Sacramento. There wasn't a huge surprise in this draft, but Sacramento was the biggest upward mover. They get number four, and that's the team that everyone's talking about is in a unique spot because they almost have a win-now mandate. So do they trade out of that for, you know, guys who can help them, you know, win next season? Do they Are they content taking Jaden Ivey or Shane Sharp? Um, I think that number four spot is, is the spot that a lot of teams, if you're – if they're sold on Sane Sharp or Jay Nivey, I think you could see a trade at four uh, to move up and, and trade with Sacramento. Well, that's interesting. That's that's definitely interesting. Um, you know, the good news for the Thunder is the teams that are up there with them, two of the four, Orlando, Sacramento, been horribly mismanaged over the years. No reason to think they're going to know what they're doing in the draft. Houston's yeah. generally been a very solid, very let, solid. Let Orlando make a mistake, and then yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll take the wrong guy, and then you, you, you get yeah. the two better ones. You know, I mean, it's by, it's by definition. <laughs> Who do you want to draft? Whoever Orlando wants, is we don't want them. So we'll yeah. take whoever they don't want, we want. Yeah, if Orlando's um, in love with this guy, we should not be in love with this guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're back in eighth grade middle school, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, but when you look at when you look at the Thunder options, they're just so much 
so much greater than what we saw a year ago. And that's, that's the good thing about it. So um, it, it's going to be fun. Let's see, draft usually starts at 6.30 or 7. I forget which, maybe 7. You know, now by 7.10. You know, Thunder, it's been a long time since the Thunder's drafted early. Uh, this, you know, in this kind of neighborhood. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make for a fun June. It really is. And, and a fun July. I mean, Summer League is going to be more anticipated Ooh, than, than any league. of the regular season games. I mean, I hadn't even thought of Summer League. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be I a good time. It, oh, Sam, I was disappointed when I heard they were doing two Summer Leagues, though. Yeah. The, 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 the current guys, the older guys in one, either at Salt Lake, I think, and then the rookies in Vegas. I didn't like that. Yeah, it sounds I, like I, I wanted... Gideon Mann will play in Salt Lake probably, um, and then – Whoever they draft, uh, sounds like they're going to be in Vegas. So, I wouldn't play Josh Giddy in the summer league. I got news for the world. I would not do that. <laughs> Trey Mann, sure. Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, great. Take all the rookies. They played 14 rookies. Take them all, but not <laughs> you can't have Giddy. Cannot have Giddy in the summer league. Can't have Giddy. Uh, well, Barry, is a is a big night for the Thunder. Anything else we we missed or you would like to add on this fine evening? Nope, just excitement is back in Thunderville. I'm fired up. I'm flying the Jabari Smith flag, but I'm I'm open-minded on the other two guys also. All right, we'll wrap it up there, and um, we'll have plenty more coming over the next month, kind of profiling some of these, these top three that we've been talking about, heading into the draft, finding out some of their stories. So really looking forward to that. Thank you all so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we'll be with you soon.